Well, hello, and welcome back to Podcasting for Educators. Today, we have a really awesome guest. Her name is Chelsea Hall. She's a former first grade teacher turned Pinterest strategist. She helps teacher authors strategically grow their email lists, generate quality leads, and increase website traffic with the power of Pinterest. If you're in the education space, you probably know what a great platform Pinterest is for your business. And if you have a podcast, the two work really, really well together. So Chelsea is on to share all about what Pinterest is and how you can use it in the best way to promote your podcast episodes. I knew I had to have Chelsea on the show because she works with teacherpreneurs like I do, and I literally know nothing about Pinterest, to be perfectly honest. I am staying in my lane in this one. Podcasting is my thing, so I'm bringing in the expert. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Podcasting for Educators, the podcast that helps TPT authors and other online educators launch and grow their show. I'm Sarah, former elementary school teacher turned podcast manager, and I'm on a mission to help you get your podcast out and into the ears of those who need it most. Busy teachers, counselors, literacy specialists, SLPs, parents, and everyone in between. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and podcast industry updates so that you can be on top of your podcasting game and gain some new customers along the way. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. So I know that Pinterest is a great tool for a lot of TPT authors and all the teacherpreneurs out there to use. And I think it's a really great compliment to those of them that have a podcast as well. And I told you this already, but I'm going to go ahead and say it again, that I am by no means a Pinterest expert. I know very little about Pinterest. So when I came across you on Instagram to invite you on the show so that you could talk to us a little bit about it and give people some good tips on how they can promote their podcasts on there. So I thought that we could start by you just giving us kind of a general overview of what Pinterest is and why it's such a good platform to be using. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll be honest. When I started, I only knew Pinterest as the platform for recipes and how to design my daughter's nursery and how to plan our wedding and all of those things. So when I actually got into this, on the business side of things, there was a lot to learn and there is a ton to learn right now. You will see in Facebook groups all over the place, people complaining and upset (laughs) about Pinterest because there have been so many changes on the platform, but what platform isn't changing? I mean, amen to that. (laughs) Yeah. Instagram, you now can like, you got the stickers. Everybody can leave their links. Now you got collabs on there now. Like all of these platforms, it's like, wow, there's a lot to keep up with. I have to say, I don't know about you, but I was pretty excited to get that link sticker. <laughs> I still haven't got it. I have to update oh, my, okay. because I haven't refreshed my phone and updated, but okay. I, I'll do it. I have too many reels <laughs> saved. So I'm afraid I'm going to like lose my reels. And then, oh yeah. Oh, that'd no. be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So Pinterest is a search and discovery platform, meaning that people go to Pinterest to search for solutions to their problems. So Pinterest and Instagram, like we're not comparing apples to apples. We're comparing apples to oranges. So 
Pinners go to Pinterest, like I said, looking for solutions. People go to Instagram looking to engage, looking to see, you know, your cute family pictures, your family vacation, whereas they're going to Pinterest to plan that family vacation. So it's very different. So people are going to Pinterest to get inspired, get ideas. I'm going to Pinterest to get 15 minute meals, how to get my child to sleep at night, how to get her to sleep in even better. So when people are thinking about putting their businesses on Pinterest, they really need to think about what is their ideal audience searching for? What are the pain points that your people need solved? So for teachers, it might be right now, like in the classrooms, a lot of teachers are searching for social emotional learning. And as a teacherpreneur, you need to be up to date with what your people are needing during, you know, all phases of life. So right now there's a phase of where a lot more social emotional learning, a lot more community building, there's a lot more behavior issues going on this school year. So teachers are searching for more classroom management ideas, uh, behavior management ideas. So Pinterest is really, it's not a social media platform, although they are, I will say they're gravitating towards bringing in aspects of more social media, like idea pins. They're now toying with Pinterest lives, Pinterest TV, all these crazy things, but it's still a search engine. And so with it being a search engine, it's something that's going to take time. I used to say three to six months. I'm now saying more like six to 12 months just because the platform is becoming more and more competitive as are all of these platforms. So, you know, we can talk a little bit further in the conversation surrounding a Pinterest mindset, but as you are coming on Pinterest, or if you've been on Pinterest for a while, just know that it takes time and that this platform is going to be ever evolving. And we have to embrace those changes and be willing to adapt to whatever Pinterest wants us to do because honestly, their end goal is to keep people on the platform to make money and to appease the user. They really want a strong user experience. So that was a really long-winded answer, Sarah. I (laughs) I apologize. So it It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I once heard on another podcast episode, actually, that if Google and Instagram had a baby, it would be Pinterest. Do you agree? Yes. 1000%. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I totally hear you on going in with the mindset that you're going to need to be on Pinterest for a while before you really see those results. It's a long-term game because the same is true for podcasting and things are ever evolving. There's more podcasts every day, but in the teacher space, It's way less saturated than a lot of the other spaces out there in terms of podcasting. But I know that on Pinterest, Pinterest is a pretty hot platform for teacherpreneurs, right? It's one of the top, like when you think of like top niches, I mean, you're putting education right next to recipes, right next to weddings. Like it is right up there. Now, I mean, if you're a teacherpreneur and you're like a course creator at the same time, like that's new. And even like the podcast, like putting your podcast on Pinterest is new, but the education niche on Pinterest, it is so competitive. It's not even funny. So Mm. yeah. Yeah. That makes sense because I know when I was in the classroom, I used Pinterest every day. Like that was my go-to to find things. Okay. So going back to intertwining your podcast with Pinterest. So if you have a podcast 
what are, and there might only be one, but what would that look like to promote your podcast episodes on to Pinterest? Yeah, great question. So the best way to promote your podcast on Pinterest is to use like show notes on your website or creating long form blogs where you then link to your podcast. So you can kind of do two. You can do the show notes specifically. So create pins that go directly to the show notes on your website or creating a blog, like a long form blog where you're, you know, you might be talking about like five classroom management strategies, yada, yada. And maybe you have a podcast about that. So you're going to then embed that within it to get people to your podcast as well. So there's kind of two, the third, I mean, there's three, I guess that you could do is if you created a freebie surrounding like how to get somebody to your podcast is another way. And what's so beautiful about Pinterest is it's top of funnel. So meaning like it's getting somebody into your ecosystem. So if you get them on your mailing list, then you can nurture them. And through your emails, you can talk about your podcast and then they'll go listen to your podcast. So it's like this beautiful cycle. Yes. Very beautiful. And so I'm so glad that you brought up a freebie. So if somebody has a popular freebie that they use and they have a landing page for it, Mm -hmm. you can pin that, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so something that I think a lot of people probably don't do is even if your freebie isn't necessarily attached to your podcast, maybe it's a freebie that you've made, you know, a year ago, and now you've just started your podcast. I always think it's smart on any freebie that you have to have like a thank you page at the end and let them know all the places that they can find you and include your podcast in that. I think that that's a piece that a lot of people aren't doing. And that's another way that you can kind of intertwine your podcast into your freebies and then pin that. So, so glad you brought that up. And then for your show notes. So when I say show notes, I'm referring to usually what I do for my clients is for every podcast episode, we create kind of like a recap blog post on their blog, which is set up as like a separate podcast blog on their site. And every episode has their own post. And so what would that pin look like? Is it a standalone graphic? I know I also create audiograms for a lot of my clients. One of them said that she uses those on Pinterest too. So can you use either, or you can do just like a still graphic or make it a video? So you can do both. And this kind of ties back into the fact that it's still a search engine and most people are still using Pinterest with their volume off. And so just keep that in mind that even if you have the audiogram, they might not listen to it. But what's nice about doing the audiogram is, and what I've even done is I'll even screenshot what looks like an audiogram. And so it at least lets the pinner know that they are about to click on a pin that's going to a podcast. Or I really like to include CTAs that say like, listen now, or like download to listen, something like that, because people don't like not knowing where they're going. So you want to be very clear, like if they're going to a freebie, download the freebie. If they're going to your podcast, listen now. If you're going to your YouTube channel, watch the full video. So making it clear where they're headed is really helpful because then you're not going to get people that are bouncing. It's people that like that want to consume that audio format 
And so having that CTA or using that audiogram will help to allude to the fact that that's where they're going. One thing I want to note about the show notes is making sure that like, if you don't have Sarah, who's amazing doing your show notes, make sure that you have that if you are DIYing it, that your show notes are not just broad, like you actually want to almost turn it into a blog post. It doesn't need to be as long as a blog post, but people want to know what they're getting because everybody's a different sort of learner as teachers who are listening to this podcast. We all know that we have to meet the needs of all of our learners. And so adults are different learners. Some of us, like I love podcasts, but I also love to watch video. I don't love reading as much was just crazy as a teacher, but um, I don't love it as much. So you have to appease to everybody's learning styles. So by having the show notes, you might get people into your world through those show notes, but they might never listen to your podcast or vice versa. So just kind of keeping that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And I think with any kind of show notes, like there's so many ways that you can expand on them. You can literally do a transcript of your episodes and then break it up into even a long form blog post, or you can even embed the actual transcript into your recap show notes. So there's lots of different ways that you can go about that. So if you are going to make a pin for your show notes, first of all, kind of have two questions here. Let's start with how many pins on average should you be doing per episode? If you have a weekly episode, let's say. Okay. So if you have a weekly, well, it depends because if you have a podcast plus blogs, plus products, like if you have like all these places that you're driving traffic to, I don't have like a dead set answer. What I will say in general though, is you could be creating like three to five, three to seven pins per podcast. Like if podcasts are like your blogs, like that's all you're creating right now, then you can create more pins. But if you have a ton of URLs that you can create pins for on a monthly basis, then you don't need as many pins because you have other URLs that you're linking to. So it kind of varies depending on like how much you're pushing out every month. But just know that it's totally fine to make a handful of pins, but just diversifying those pins. Like you could do like the audiogram, which is which would serve a little bit more as like a video pin and then a static pin. And then you could even do like, you can repurpose your podcast into idea pins. So if your podcast was all about like how to avoid teacher burnout and you shared like 20 tips in your podcast, you can repurpose that to like five tips in an idea pin. And then you can almost repurpose that to like an additional blog post on top of the show notes. I mean, there's so many ways to like take one piece of content and format it across all socials, across Pinterest, across everything, you know? Okay. This is great. Can you, for those of us who don't know, like me, what exactly is an idea pin? I've seen people talking about this on Instagram, but I do not know what it is. Yeah. So an idea pin is a series of, so they were formerly at first called story pins. So it's a series of slides and they're meant to inspire or teach your audience about something. They're very different than Instagram and in that like on Instagram, you create reels where you're like, you know, you're silly and you're doing whatever and whatnot. Whereas on Pinterest, they're a lot, they're meant to, and I keep referring to like five like SEL books or five classroom management strategies, like you're stretching it out across. You can go up to 20 slides. I'm recommending five to 10 slides to clients right now. And it's a mix of video and static pins. 
where you're, again, like you're teaching somebody about something and you're still, you're solving a solution. So kind of a mix between reels, TikToks, Instagram stories, carousel, almost carousel, like a carousel. carousel posts all in one. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So now this might be a silly question, but so do the idea pins still have to link back to a URL on your site? So they can't link back. You do not have the ability to add a link actually. So they're meant to broaden your reach and increase engagement, but you can't actually include a link. So think of them like reels where you might say like, follow me for more tips or head to my link in bio. Like just like on reels, you can't include a link. Same with idea pins. You can't include a link, but somebody can go to your profile, click on your profile and then get into your world and learn more about you that way. Okay, cool. So I actually feel like this is actually really great for podcasters because of what you just said a few minutes ago. I know when I create, when I have a podcast episode, I then go in and I listen to it and I, there's all these little tiny ideas that you can pull out and create endless Instagram posts from. So now you can do the same thing for these idea pins. I mean, seriously, the options are endless there like that. Oh yeah. That gives you so much content for Pinterest. So that is really cool. I feel like even just this episode, like you could take, there's been like five different idea pins already up until this point. So yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. I love this. Okay. Let's see. So do you have a specific platform that you like to use for scheduling your pins? Yeah. So I still swear by Tailwind. I know some people have rumored and said it's not good or it's not worth it. I swear by Tailwind. You can schedule on Pinterest, but it's not robust whatsoever. You can only schedule up to 14 days. And as teacherpreneurs, especially if you're still in the classroom, you're juggling a lot. And so Tailwind's just going to save you time. So I still am all for Tailwind. Perfect. And so when you go in to schedule your pins, what does that look like? So is it a description that you write for each pin? Yep. So let's say you have a podcast and you create, you know, five pins for it. You're going to do five different titles, five different enticing titles that are going to get people to want to click. You're going to upload the pins that have a text overlay. Um, You're using keywords throughout all of these, and then you're using a description. And then you want to make sure that you have the link that links back to your website. And then you're kind of dripping those out across several days. You're not going to just like dump them all in and be like, see you later. Cause you want to be consistent on Pinterest. You don't want it to just be like, oh, it's November 1st. Here's 15 pins for the month. And then I'm done. So (laughs) check that off the list. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when it comes to titles and descriptions, are both of those things searchable? Everything is searchable Everything so is. Okay. on Pinterest. You really want to do your keyword research again, knowing your audience's pain points. It's crazy. Like, you know, you might think as teachers, we always use the word like read alouds. Yeah. And it's funny, like that doesn't rank as high as like picture books or children's books. So you like, you might type in like winter books for kids that ranks way higher than like winter read alouds or so you have to like you actually have to dig to see what is ranking, not just what in your teacher mind people are actually searching for. So it's interesting how it works. Yeah. So do you have any tips on like how to stand out with your titles and your descriptions or any, any tricks for keyword research? 
Yeah. So as far as like when you're doing the titles, I always love to throw in like an adjective. Think about like, this is where you can go into your own head. Like as a teacher, you want easy, quick, low prep, no prep. We love digital resources right now. A lot of us think about like simple, budget-friendly hacks, teacher tips. I mean, any of those types of words. So like if you can add in any of that and then with keywords, I really... I honestly, I just use the Pinterest search bar as like my number one tool. I also use Pinterest trends to see kind of what's trending. I will say as like, you always want to plan 60 to 90 days in advance. So like every month on like my social, I always share like, okay, this is what you're planning for now. So like November 1st, I was saying, start pushing out your MLK stuff. You can even start thinking about 100th day stuff, thinking about, that many months ahead because it takes Pinterest time to index it because it is a search engine. It's not immediate. So it needs time to index it. And teachers are planners too. Like, sure, some of us are last minute and we're quickly running to the copy machine to make some more work. (laughs) But we also might be a little more strategic about our like holidays around the world project we're going to do in December. So Right. Okay. That makes sense. I just, like you said, you search on the Pinterest bar. I still, when I search keywords, I love just being able to do it in Google right there and see the results that come up. I think that that's, and I even use Google, like I'll cross check between the both of them because sometimes Google search bar will give me like ideas for Pinterest. Like you always want to after, if you use the Google search bar, like double check it in Pinterest because they are different, but that's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. I also heard a tip once and now I do it all the time, but if you're thinking about keywords and you type in a question with that keyword, then it will show you other similar questions that people are asking. And that's another great way to help you with, like, I do that sometimes to come up with titles for podcast episodes. So I would imagine it would be helpful for Pinterest titles too, or totally. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. We, I feel like we've covered a lot here. I know what else I I definitely want to ask you is I know that Pinterest is very data-driven numbers. So what kind of metrics should people be looking at and how often should they be looking at them to see if Pinterest is doing well for them or not? Okay. I'm going to start off by saying, stop looking underneath each individual pin. Okay. That is going to drive you insane because (laughs) how Pinterest is engineered now is very different how it used to be engineered. So like impressions and everything's going to be off underneath an individual pin. What you want to be looking at is monthly analytics. So like at the end of November, go in like December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and look back at November. So once a month, you're going to do like a little bit of a deep dive to see how your saves, impression, and outbound clicks did. So those are the three main analytics I look at. I also look at Google analytics. I look at sessions from Pinterest, page views from Pinterest, all of that. But really, if you're just wanting like a basic understanding, just look at your uh, Pinterest analytics to see outbound clicks, impressions, and saves. Impressions kind of tells us, are you using the right keyword? So if you're getting good impressions, that means like your keyword research has been effective and people or your pins are showing up in the feed. But imp- impressions basically just mean that it wasn't the feed. I mean, if you're looking for a taco recipe, though, I probably scrolled past 15 pins that like caught the corner of my eye. So just because it says that it was an impression doesn't mean that anybody did anything. It just means it was in the feed as somebody was scrolling. Saves means that people are saving your content. So I might've seen last night, like a really delicious looking fish taco recipe, but I didn't have the 
type of fish that was in the recipe. So I'm going to save it for later, but it was the image that really caught my eye. So saves kind of helps you to tell you like if your imagery is kind of on and then outbound clicks, that's like the gold bread and butter is that's telling you that somebody clicked on your pin and actually went to your site. So those are the three metrics. And I would just kind of keep a nice little Google sheet so you can compare month over month and year over year. And also just know as TPT sellers, just like your TPT products, like things are going to ebb and flow. Right now, November and December are two of the hardest months for TPT sellers on Pinterest because it's the holidays. Teachers really don't care right now. Like they're just kind of checking out and then they really check out in May. So like those three months are three of the hardest months. June can be a little iffy. The thing is, is everybody goes back or gets out of school and goes back to school at different times. So like, you know, I have friends that are in Texas, they go back. My one friend went back like July 16th or something ridiculous. So she's back to school searching July 1st. Whereas me here in Michigan, I wasn't looking for back to school until like August 10th. So it's just, you know, it's different. So it is different. Yeah. And okay. This is kind of a random question, but I have seen on people's, and I haven't really seen this in show notes, but I've seen it on blogs where people will actually have like their pin graphic and they put that on their blog post. Is that something that people should be doing? What is like the benefit of that? Is it just to lead back? Yeah, 1000%. So by having a pin embedded in your blog post or show notes is that somebody else here, I'm reading your podcast show notes and there's a blog embedded. I'm going to click on it and I can save it to my Pinterest board to come back to Maybe I'm going to listen to it later. And I've done the heavy lifting for you. I've gotten your pin now on Pinterest and Pinterest is going to see that, like that you're a trusted source. And then they're going to serve that pin out to more and more people. Interesting. Okay. So that would be a good thing to include in show notes moving forward. Cause I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that in their show notes. So yeah, that, that is an awesome, awesome tip. Okay. so you've given us so much amazing information. And as we wrap up, I want to go back to the planning piece that you were mentioning about making sure that you're planning in advance. I always like to plan like a month ahead. Okay. So I would be thinking like everything I'm doing in November, I'm planning for December. So like start thinking about like, what are you going to be pushing out in December? So if I'm like, thinking about December, two months from that is February. So like you're thinking about 100th day, Groundhog's day, you're thinking Valentine's day. I mean, any like big event in in Valentine's, but I mean, it depends on who's listening, but a lot of teachers have a lot of evergreen content. So like, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, but definitely when it comes to the holidays, like, and with back to school, it's such a tricky time. Like I have my clients, we start putting back to school stuff as early as May because you have some schools, like I said, that go back as early as July, but you can put back to school stuff as late as July 31st. Cause some people don't go back till September. So it's kind of like, that one's a tricky one. Um, okay. same with like end of school year, some people end the school year, like first week of May. So you want to be getting that out as early as March, you know? So that that's more of a tricky one, but for the more like standard holidays that don't really change, you can, you can kind of plan accordingly for those ones. Okay. And so pins, they are evergreen, right? So is there anything like, can you repin? Can you go back? Is there anything that you can do to like push it up to the top? I know that that's another way that it really differs from Instagram because 
you know, you post something to Instagram and in a couple of days, people probably aren't going to be looking at it anymore. So how does that work on Pinterest? Yeah. So the cool thing is, is that the longer a pin is on the platform, the more seasoned it becomes and the more over time. So like for most of my clients, the pins that were pushed out like a year, even four years ago, I have this one client that has this silly pumpkin pin that is bringing her so much traffic right now. It's not even funny. Like it's, it's starting to taper off, but during the month of October, it was like viral. It was insane. And it's this ugly pin. Like it's an ugly pin that she put up like herself four years ago. And that's, what's going viral right now. So it's the older pins that are taking off right now. So whatever you're doing right now, you might not reap the benefits of that until a year from now. But I don't really recommend repinning much anymore. You really want what you could do is create new images for a blog post that did really well. So, like if that same client, her pumpkin pin, like we could, we did, we ended up creating new pins that looked fresh and we pinned those so that way they were new. Perfect. So, like for your podcast episodes, if you're doing an episode around this time about the holidays, then in a year from now, you could create new pins for the same podcast episode. And that will drive people back to past episodes. 1000%. Yes. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, to wrap things up, is there anything that you can think of that you'd like to add that we haven't covered yet? I think just using your podcast as another way to get people to your Pinterest, like talk about it, tell people you're on Pinterest, like tell them to follow you on Pinterest. So, you know, you might close out talking about, go to my website, go to this, but like go to my Pinterest account or like even in your email marketing, talk about Pinterest there too. Talk about Pinterest on Instagram, let people know you're on Pinterest and get them to follow you and then get them into your world that way. I don't think enough people talk about it. We always include like our social, like our Instagram and like our email signature, but we don't really include our Pinterest as much. So just a little quick tip. Okay. Yes. I think you are very much onto something because I don't think I've ever recommended or heard somebody use Pinterest as a call to action in one of their episodes. So That's so smart for a lot of reasons. I mean, if you're promoting a resource of yours on the episode that you're recording, if somebody's not ready to necessarily go and pay for that resource right now, but here's you mention Pinterest as a place that they can go to get lots of other great ideas, they might do that. And then again, that cycle continues where then that might lead them to your website, which leads them to your email list and so on and so forth. And agreed about the email signature. Also put your podcast in your email signature as well. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Put it all. Yes. Put it all. All right. So can you let us know where people can find you? Because I have, you have so many awesome posts. I love that you do your monthly posts where Chelsea gives you great ideas about what to pin for the month to come. So let us know where people can follow you. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Chelsea Hall Social. I'm pretty active over there and I'm happy to answer questions in my DMs. And then my website is chelseahealthsocial.com. I have quite a bit of blog posts and then I have some freebies. I do have a Pinterest planner for teachers that does do the entire year to help you plan out what to prepare for, for the coming months in terms of the holidays. So yeah, feel free to find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Awesome. And I'll get the link from you. I'll, I'll include all these links in the show notes, including the planner that she just mentioned. And do you, you have a course? 
I do. So I have a group coaching program. It's called the Pinterest prep right now. It's closed for, we're, we're actually in it right now, but it's a four week group coaching program that will be launching again in the early, like beginning of 2022. Okay, perfect. So I will put all of that in the show notes so people can come and find you. Thank you so much for being here. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure that the listeners have as well. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. If you have any questions or takeaways from this episode, send me a message on Instagram at podcasting for educators. I'd love to hear from you. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes at podcastingforeducators.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Bye for now.